It's good to see everyone here this morning. I wasn't sure um, about the Labor Day crowd, but it's nice to see everyone today, and thank you for tuning in online. Um, We are starting a new series from the book of Nahum. Can you look to your neighbor and say, Nahum? Now look to your neighbor and say, Nahum. Nahum. (laughs) Nahum. Nahum. I'm just going to say Nahum. Um, and the, the, so for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking through Nahum. And the, the, the message is entitled, The Good News of God's Vengeance. The Good News of God's Vengeance. And it almost kind of seems like, a, like two opposites, but um, we're going to be talking about the good news of God's vengeance. Um, if you, um, maybe, maybe, maybe some of you have done some in-depth study in the book of Nahum, Maybe some of you, uh, it's, it's, it's those two pages that are stuck together in your Bible. Um, maybe some of you, you have your favorite verse from the book of Nahum. How many of you guys have a favorite verse from the book of Nahum? Raise your hand. Praise the Lord, Craig. He does, of course. How many, um, you know, we typically, I don't know, it seems like I didn't know much about the book of Nahum until I started studying it and delving into it. Um, in fact, it's, it's interesting. You can read the whole book in about five minutes. It's three chapters. Um, it's the spot in the Old Testament where homeschoolers get, get names for their kids, you know, Nahum and Habakkuk and, you know, whatever. So, so it's, it's that fun part of the Bible. Um, but it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a book that has real people. It was a real place and time. And um, it's actually a very powerful book. So I'm going to give you a little bit of context so that you can enjoy the content. But again, the message is entitled, The Good News of God's Vengeance, okay? So the book was written, most people think, around 660 B.C., so about 660 years before Jesus. Nahum means, in Hebrew, it means consoler or comforter. Can you look at your neighbor and say consoler? Look at your neighbor and say comforter. Oh, yeah, it means consoler, it means comforter. Um, and, and it's interesting, like, so back in biblical times, names had, I mean, names have significance now. You, you might know the meaning of your name, you might not. But back in biblical times, names really had significance. And it seems like many times, more often than not, especially in the Old Testament, the names dealt with someone's calling or someone's occupation. So when you hear the name Nahum, you're like, wait a minute, he was a consoler, he was a comforter. What was he a consoler about? What was he to be a comforter for? Like, what, like what's going on? And um, if you look into history, you can see that during this time in history, around 660 B.C., the nation of Israel was actually conquered by the, uh, by the Assyrians. Um, and the Assyrians, that might not seem like a just whatever type of name to us today, but the Assyrians, and I'm going to give you some context, and then we're going to jump on the content here. So, but the Assyrian Empire back then was incredibly wicked. They were very, very wicked. More wicked than probably anyone you've ever known. The Assyrian, I mean, they made Hitler look like maybe kind of a nice guy. The Assyrians were very wicked. So here was Israel, and they were being oppressed by this, these Assyrians. And the Assyrians loved wickedness so much that they actually etched their wickedness in stone so that people from generations afterwards would be able to read the wickedness that they did. These people were super wicked, the Assyrians. Um, This is what King Ashurbanipal said, who was the king during that time. He said, 
We cut off the heads of our enemies and formed them into pillars and dared no man to touch them. He said, we cut off their noses and ears and sent them wandering around aimlessly. He said, we cut off the limbs of the officers and burned 3,000 of their people. He said, I entered that city, its inhabitants I slaughtered like lambs. He said, I led the, le- uh, he said, I led the leaders of the conquest, I let the leaders of the, conquest, of the conquered cities be flayed and clad the city walls with their skins. So Assyria was really, really bad. They were terrible people. They were known for their warfare. They were, no- they were known for killing people. They were known for impaling people with stakes. They liked to cut people's heads off, and they liked to fillet people alive. So they weren't very good people. Their capital city was Nineveh, okay? And maybe in script, maybe you, you know the story of Nineveh and Jonah. Do you guys know the story of Jonah? So you know the story of Jonah. You don't, maybe you don't know the story of Nahum. But a couple hundred years earlier, God actually sent a prophet named Jonah to the capital city of, uh, of, of Assyria, Nineveh. And this is what happened. This is kind of crazy. So he sent Jonah there. And take a look in um, Jonah, chapter th- uh, Jonah chapter 3, verses 6 through 10. It says this. When, Jonah, when Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. So Jonah came, and he really just had a simple message of judgment and repentance for Nineveh. And it really wasn't even very exciting. He just came and just, it was like a sentence. And the king heard his warning and was like, oh my goodness. And, 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 and by decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their wicked ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. So a couple hundred years earlier, God had called Jonah. Jonah goes to Nineveh, the capital of Assyria, and Nineveh has a great revival. It's such a great revival that not only do the people repent in sackcloth and ashes, their animals repented that sackcloth and ashes. Isn't that crazy? And the whole city is transformed by the power of God. Are you guys thankful for revival this morning? Yes, that's awesome. And God moved, and there was some amazing things that happened in Nineveh. The city was transformed by the power of God. It was changed. It was transformed. And, and the judgment that was bestowed upon Nineveh was lifted, and God did not relent. And there was salvation in the town, in the city of Nineveh. But it's interesting. I I often find that, I mean, I don't know, when we look at this passage, we can see that just a few hundred years later, maybe even as little as a hundred years later, Nineveh had gone back to their old ways, and they were doing evil once again. And so either either one of two things happened. Either the people repented, and then they just went back to what, what they were doing, or the people repented, and they didn't actually instill those values to their children. But we see that the revival that happened in Nineveh was short-lived. And now the people in Nineveh were going back and they were doing the same thing, the same evil, again and again and again. And so this, this, this city that was, was, God had shown mercy upon went back and they were doing evil again. And 
and the, the Assyrians were doing evil again, and the Assyrians in Nineveh were cutting people's heads off again, and where they were putting people's heads on poles again, and they were cutting off people's noses and their ears, and they were filleting people, and they were doing terrible things to Israel again. And so the, I guess the question maybe that we should ask ourselves is, what do we do when evil comes our way? What do we do? What do we do when evil comes our way? What do we do when you thought something was taken care of, you thought some evil was gone, and then it comes back around? And it's doing the same thing. What do you do when evil comes your way? What do you do when hardships come your way? What do you do when your enemy is knocking at the door? What do you do when someone has hurt you or when someone has mistreated you? What do you do when evil comes your way? You know, often I find when when evil comes our way, we we often begin to question God. We question God and we, we say, hey, if, if God really loves us, then why is there suffering? If God really loves us, then why are these Assyrians killing us? If God really loves us, if God really has a plan for us, then why is it so hard? Where, where is his plan? If, 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 God, if God is there, why don't I see him? Why don't I understand him? You know, I, you know, I, I, I don't know if God is everything that he says he is. In fact, I think maybe he is unable to do the things that he claims that he can do. Maybe he doesn't really love us at all. Maybe he doesn't really care about us at all. When evil comes your way, what do you do? What do you do when the enemy is at the gate? What do you do when the enemy is going after your children? What do you do when evil seems to be flourishing? What do you do when society is doing things that are unethical? What do you do when, um, when you see evil? What is our response? A lot of times we begin to question God. And so, so here's, this, here's the context. So here's, here, here's he's Nahum. Nahum, he's coming onto the scene. Uh, the people of Israel were in captivity by the Assyrians who had been uh, there had been revival a few hundred years earlier, and, and, and now they had gone back to their old ways, and they were killing the Israelites once again. And Nahum walks onto the scene, and he says three interesting things about God, three descriptors of God in the first chapter. And so we're going to look at those three. He, has, he, he says the Lord is three times, and I'm hoping that it brings you encouragement this morning. The Lord is, because maybe there are some people here this morning that feel as if evil has been at your door. He says three things about God. First, we're going to start in verse 1, verses 1 and 2. He says, A prophecy concerning Nineveh, the book of the vision of Nahum, the Elekashite. He says, The Lord is a jealous and avenging God. The Lord takes vengeance and is filled with wrath. The Lord takes vengeance on his foes and vents his wrath against his enemies. Let me read that again. It's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of, I, I kind of, I sense, I sense that Nahum was full of emotion here. The prophecy concerning Nineveh, the book of the vision of Nahum the Elekashite, he says this. He says, the Lord is a jealous and avenging God. Are you thankful that the Lord is jealous and avenging? Yeah, thankful? The good news of God's vengeance. The Lord is a jealous and avenging God. The Lord takes vengeance and is filled with wrath. The Lord takes 
vengeance on his foes and vents his wrath against his enemies. The message, Eugene Peterson simply says it, says it like this. The Lord is serious business. <laughs> he won't be trifled with. But you can sense the emotions. You can sense the, I, I don't know, like, 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 like the power in what he's saying. That, that seems very strong. The Lord is jealous. You wonder why the Lord is jealous. Have you ever wondered why the Lord is jealous? Doesn't it kind of seem like jealousy is something that's, that's bad typically? Like, je- like when you hear about someone being jealous, like, you ever have a jealous boyfriend before? Ever have a je- like sometimes you hear the word jealousy and you're like, oh my goodness. Like, I, I, I don't, like you hear the word jealousy and you just kind of shut the door. You kind of, okay, okay, jealous. I, I, like jealous, jealousy is, maybe you think jealousy is bad. It's maybe not something that you're supposed to be doing. But the Lord is Jealous. The Lord is jealous. And now you have to kind of remember the context of what's happening here. So Assyria, they had come in and they were promoting other gods and they had other idols and whatnot. And so the people of Israel, what they were doing is times were getting difficult. So people were getting killed and people were getting persecuted. And times were getting difficult. So what the people of Israel were doing is they were going back to idol worship. They were going back to things that were comfortable. They were falling back into their old ways. They were going back to the things that God had called them against. They were going back to the things that they weren't supposed to be doing. They were worshiping things that they weren't supposed to be worshiping. And here Nahum, he's talking to them. He's like, hey, listen, guys, don't backslide. Don't, keep, don't go back to the things that have been causing you pain. Don't, don't, don't go back to those things, those things that are maybe giving you comfort, those things that you did before. God is a jealous God. He's saying God alone deserves our, uh, God alone deserves our glory. Amen? God alone deserves our praise. God alone deserves our worship. And so he's saying God is jealous. So he's, he's kind of like putting them in check, and he's letting them know that God is jealous. I think sometimes we, we can take that into our own lives as well. Sometimes when evil is at the door, a lot of times we go back to the things that we used to do. A lot of times when evil is at our door, that's where you see people backslide. That's where you see people losing their focus on, our glory, on the king, right? So, so maybe you're going through a difficult time this morning. Maybe you see evil that has come your way. And I want to encourage you this morning that, that God is a jealous God. Even when times are tough, guys, 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 guys you know, even when, even when time is, like, you were made for fellowship with God. And God is jealous for you. God is jealous for you. You just don't understand the situation, Pastor Evan. You just don't understand the way that COVID has messed with my brain. You just don't understand the relationships that I've been uh, this relationship that I've been in, it's just been tu- uh, tumultuous. You just don't understand the way that my job has been. Listen, I, I think Nahum was speaking to the people of Israel back then, but I think these, are, these words are true for us today as well, that God is jealous for us. He's je- he, like, he alone deserves the glory. He alone deserves the praise. He he alone wants to fellowship with us. Don't allow your circumstances to pull you away from his presence. The Lord is jealous and an avenging God. Avenging is, I don't know, it's, it's, it's for some of us, it, it might seem scary. But, but when I think about God being our avenger, I feel like it does a couple of things. First of all, 
It, remo it removes our poor motives. And wrath becomes pure. It's not human wrath, but it's God's wrath. When God is our avenger, it removes poor motives, it removes like human wrath, and it allows God's wrath to shine through. The second thing it does, I believe, is it takes a huge weight off our shoulders. I mean, I, 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 I take great comfort in knowing that I don't have to fight all of my battles. I don't have to right every wrong. I don't have to, I don't have to keep a, a, a check mark of all the things that, you know, these people have hurt me and these people have hurt me and these people have done this to me and these people have done this to me. I don't have to, I don't have to, I don't have to do that. And, and maybe for some of you this morning, that might be refreshing to know that God is your avenger. Like, you don't have to stay up at night and worry about the people that hurt you. You don't have to stay up at night and think about the, the, the things that have been wronged to you. Like, God is your avenger. You know, one day we will all stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And it says that he will wipe away every tear. God is your avenger. He's jealous, and he is your avenger. I like, what it, I like what Paul says in the book of Romans. He says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary... If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. And do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The Lord is a jealous and avenging God. Then he goes on to say in verse 3, he says, The Lord is slow to anger, but great in power. The Lord will not leave the guilty unpunished. His way is in the whirlwind and the storm. And clouds are the dust of his feet. Let me read that again. The Lord is slow to anger, but great in power. The Lord will not leave the guilty unpunished. His way is in the whirlwind and in the storm. And the clouds are the dust of his feet. He's slow to anger and great in power. So I feel like when I, when I read the words that he is slow to anger, um, I am upset, but also I'm happy. I'm upset when he's slow to anger for other people, but I'm happy that he's slow to anger for me. Anyone else? I'm happy that he, 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 he is slow to anger with me, but I'm, I'm upset that maybe he's slow to anger with other people. When other people hurt us, a lot of times we want justice and we want it right, in, we want it right away. And it's like, you know, but I'm, I'm thankful that he's slow to anger um, with me. Um, and I feel like when we read the scriptures, we can see, we can see over and over again that God is slow to anger. He's, he's patient. Um, he's patient. Even in the time of the flood with Noah, you see that he waited to the very last family. He was slow to anger and great in power. God waits and he is patient. Slow to anger and great in power. Slow to anger and great in power. You know, when I think about the second phrase, slow to anger but great in power, I think the people of Israel were probably looking at the, 
Assyrians and looking at the massive capital city of Nineveh. They were looking at the strong army and they were looking at the, 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 the military and they were looking at the, all the things that Assyria had. Um, historians noted that they were very, a very vast and ruthless and wicked and powerful um, and, and powerful and the city was the cities were massive and they built roads and they had uh, technology and all these things and maybe they were looking at this, this the, the, the power of their enemies and thinking that God was not able maybe you're here this morning and the same situation maybe you're maybe you're looking at your maybe you're looking at your enemies you're looking at the evil in front of you and you're wondering man um is God able to do this? Is God able to pull me up and out of this situation? Is God powerful? Man, when the enemy is at the gates, is, is, is he powerful enough? Is he great enough? Is he able to um, sustain me? Is he able to lift me with his right hand? And Nahum is talking to the people, and he speaks to them. And it's like he, he almost senses, like through the power of the Spirit, the things that they were questioning. They were questioning why he wasn't moving quickly. And they were questioning why he wasn't doing things with his power. And this is what he says. So in verse 3, he says, The Lord is slow to anger, but great in power. The Lord will not leave the guilty unpunished. His way is in the whirlwind and the storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. He rebukes the seas and dries it up, and he makes all the rivers run dry. Basham and, Car and Carmel wither, and the blossoms of Lebanon fade. The mountains quake before him, and the hills melt away. The earth trembles at his presence, the world and all who live in it. Who can withstand his indignation? Who can endure his fierce, his fierce anger? His wrath is poured out like fire. The rocks are shattered before him. You know, whatever you're going through this morning, whatever you're going through today, the good news is, is that we serve the Lord of heaven and earth, who is powerful. He's mighty. In fact, in the book of Isaiah, it says, I saw the Lord seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And typically back then, the size of someone's robe signifies their power, and it signifies their, um, their authority. And so he says, I saw the Lord seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And so there's this idea of God's power and his passion and his presence and his Glory And Nahum is talking to these people that were suffering, and the Assyrians were, were coming down on them. And he's telling them, the Lord is slow to anger, but the Lord is great in power. The Lord can lift you through your situation. The Lord will take you through this situation. The Lord spoke the world into existence through the, just through the speaking of his voice. The Lord is slow to anger, and he's great in power. She says, the Lord is jealous and avenging, the Lord is slow to anger and great in power. And then if you go down to verse 7, he says, The Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. And he cares for those who trust in him. The Lord is jealous and avenging. He's slow to anger and great in power. And the Lord is good, a refuge in in times of trouble. The Lord is good. I think sometimes when we get in situations, one of the things that we 
often question is the goodness of God. God is good, then why did this happen? God is good, then why did I lose my job? If God was good, then why are the Assyrians at my door? If God is good, then why? why? If God is good, and here Nahum is, and he's telling the people again that God is good. God is good. He's our refuge in time of trouble. Refuge means a safe place. Like, even though it might not seem like things are safe, God is good, and God is our refuge in times of trouble, and he cares for those who trust in him. And in God's goodness, did you realize that God has a plan for you? You know, sometimes you think, oh, you know, sure, 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 sure. But, but if you look down in verse 15 of Nahum, you can actually see a glimmer of a prophetic verse that speaks of the Messiah. He said, now look, there on the mountains, the feet of the one who brings good news, who proclaims peace. That's a, that's a prophetic message of Jesus who's going to come 600 years later. He said, celebrate your festivals, Judah, and fulfill your vows. No more will the wicked invade you. They will be completely destroyed. The Lord is good. The Lord had a plan for Israel. Even though it looked like things weren't going to be working out the way that they thought they were going to be working out, the Lord had a plan. The Lord was slow to anger. The Lord was great in power. The Lord was good, and he was a refuge in times of trouble. And if the worship team wants to come back up, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to finish up here. The Lord is jealous and avenging. He is slow to anger. He is great in power. He is good and our refuge in times of trouble. And if we can sing goodness of God, that would be fantastic. Um, jealous, slow to anger, great in power, good, our refuge in times of trouble. And I feel like maybe there might be some people here this morning that have been questioning God's goodness. Maybe there are some people this morning who've been questioning if God is there and if God cares and if God really has the power to sustain them. Maybe they've been going through difficult times. They've been going through a valley. They've been going through, you know, hard times. And I feel like the Lord this morning prophetically through the prophet Nahum is telling us this morning that, listen, the Lord is good and he is jealous for you. Don't don't backslide. Don't fall back. Continue to pursue him and he will answer you and he will meet you where you are at. He is, he is good. He he, he sees you. He, he can be your refuge in times of trouble. He, he is slow to anger. You can come to him again and again and again. He is slow to anger. He's patient for us. He sees us where we're at. God, this morning, we just thank you for your presence, God. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your glory that's here this morning, Father. Maybe there are people here this morning that have been questioning the goodness of God. They've been questioning his power. They've been wondering where he's at. They've been, they've been just questioning his promises. God, right now I just pray that you'll encourage them, that you'll strengthen them, that you'll move in them, that you will uh, just move them towards your presence, Father. God, we just, we thank you for this word that you have for us this morning. And as we sing this song, that we focus on you.